isolated. Skirtle here. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United, Anthony Martial! Here comes Sanchez. Pogba trying to get in again. He's in again. He scores again. What a comeback by Manchester United. Driven by Paul Pogba. Breaks here for Bruno Fernandes. Oh, what a strike. What an unbelievable hit from Bruno Fernandes. Shaw. Into Ronaldo. What's good, people? Welcome to the first episode of the La Carrington podcast, a podcast in which Man United fans run about Man United and all the latest news, gossip, or whatever. Joining me today, I have Talk Sports and Neil Candola. He was the first one I noticed to break the Ten Hag news. So a serious journalist, verified on Twitter, and also a good friend of mine and colleague. So, Anil, thank you so much for joining us. No problem at all. Well, to be honest, I didn't actually know that I was the first one. Uh, let's hope that uh, Eric Ten Hag signing, well, his first signing is as good as yours, mate. Oh, bro. When I tell, when I tell you, let's, let's get on to that straight away because preseason starts tomorrow and we've signed no one. And I remember when uh, when Ten Hag came in, our premises was that he wants to get all these players in early, get them in for preseason. We're starting preseason um, two weeks early because we're so unfit and such a dry team. Uh, first yeah, bro, that, that's that's it. First and foremost, we'll talk about his new signing, uh, Frankie De Jong. Um, our, our colleague Alex Crook said that it should be done by the thirtieth of June because of the whole. Barcelona situation, their financial situation. So, first of all, are you excited for Frankie de Jong and what can he bring to Man United? Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, it goes without saying, really, Frankie de Jong is, is, is a brilliant player. He's got experience, although he's still quite young. You know, he's had the Champions League experience, getting quite far in the Champions League. And then also, you know, playing at a club like Barcelona, although obviously the big elephant in the room is that it hasn't exactly gone too great for him. He still understands the pressure of, of what it takes really to be at a big club and, and what that comes with. It's not just putting on the famous colours and, and you know, taking a few pictures for Instagram, although that's what a few players are prioritising their times at big clubs. You know, jokes aside, he's, he's a brilliant player. We know what he can bring. And I think the, the key thing really is, obviously, this is a player that worked into Ten Hag. And I think it'd be fair to say, you know, this is a player that was granted their career by Ten Hag, you know, he gave him the opportunity, he allowed him to blossom and, and really put faith in him when realistically he had no experience or evidence to do so. So I think, yeah, it would be a brilliant sign. And I think this would be a marquee signing, not necessarily just because it's the first of the Ten Hag era, but, you know, this is a player that we've probably lacked it for years now. I think, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out really where exactly it would work with Fernandez and obviously with Van der Beek coming back into the fold, you know. 
it, it can seem quite difficult really to get all of them in. But this is a player who can play and, and can affect both halves of the pitch, whether it be building up or being in that final third. So, you know, I think it would be a great signing. It would be someone in the heart of the team as well, which it seems potentially given the money that obviously Man United and Ten Hag are willing to pay for him. I think this is someone that Ten Hag can see that he's going to build his whole team around. So, yeah, I think it would be a brilliant signing. And to be honest with you, mate, I think anyone at this stage would be massively appreciated considering, as you say, you know, we haven't signed anyone so far. And I think this isn't exactly breaking news, but I think the last player that Man United saw him was Ronaldo. And when you put it like that, it just sounds absolutely crazy. You know, obviously, Ranjek never signed anyone and Ronaldo was the big player. And look, we don't need to talk about how excited Man United fans were when Ronaldo came in. But that excitement doesn't necessarily mean we don't sign anyone else now until (laughs) Ronaldo retires. So, yeah, I think De Jong is a brilliant player. But as I say, it would be anyone with welcome arms coming into Old Trafford, given the circumstances. As you said, uh, Frankie De Jong is going to be a marquee signing to Ten Hag and, and his new system and his new Man United. What would you say are the key positions we need to build around? Because um, during the Nations League, when he, they beat Belgium for four one, he had a really good game, and he said, "I like to pick up the balls from the centre back," which is something that we've lacked in the midfield for such a long time. But I don't necessarily see him as a lone six. So let's say if he plays in a double pivot, do you see him? As a lone six, do you feel like we need to get, we still need that defensive mid next to him? How can we get the best out of Frankie de Jong? Yeah, certainly. It's a great point that you make there, really, because it's quite difficult to put your finger on exactly what his strengths are. But then, in a way, you know, that is his strength, really, that, you know, that he can play in multiple positions. And I think you're right there. Although he can play in a double pivot, I think you need someone there who's defensively minded. And I think the issue with McTominay and Fred that we've seen over the last couple of years is they do the job between them, where realistically we need someone who's going to do the job on their own, which will then allow players like De Jong and, you know, Fernandez to have less responsibilities to come back and so on. So I think he can work in a double pivot, as you say, but then it then leads the question really as to who can we bring in? Because I think we, we're both unanimous and can speak from, from most Man United fans, Fred and McTominay, they're, they're just not quite good enough. Although they've shown bits of it throughout their Man United careers. Where you I, think... seen the beats, I ain't seen the bits, mate. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I've not seen the bits, bro. He's had enough. So, Tony, you've had enough. And I can understand why, you know, it's, it becomes frustrating, especially when, you know, Solskjaer comes in. Let's not talk about it. You know my feelings towards Solskjaer. I think he is massively responsible for the mess that we're currently in. Not solely, but he does take a good chunk of it. And then when Ranjit came in, you thought, right, this is it. He's going to try new things. He's going to, you know, blossom into a Manchester United manager and someone who's going to be really effective. And then what does he do? Play McTominay and Fred throughout the whole time he was at, at the club. So I think it's massively frustrating. I think hopefully not just what he brings to the club individually in terms of De Jong, but also the owners will then be put on Man United to bring in players that can suit him and, and then get the best out of him, which is obviously what all of us hope. Mm. So let's say if we get that defensive mid, because we've been screaming for a defensive mid for how long now? As you said, I think all Man United fans are tired of Fred. And I don't even think Fred or McTominay are actual sixes. I think they're both eights, but just not good enough attacking-wise. So we played them in a double pivot. Have, do you have any names, any pe- people you think this is the type of personnel you want? Because I feel like there's two types of sixes. You have your destroyer, like a Wilfred Ndidi, who just sits in front of the back four and takes and um, intercepts, tackles, whatever. But then you also have like your Sergio Busquets six in a sense that, in a sense that they dictate play they can break the lines do we need a mixture of both or do you feel like we just need a specific type 
Yeah, I think out of the two examples you've given, you know, I think United probably need someone more like an Ndidi because, you know, the creativity within players, you know, even, I know it sounds a bit crazy, but even Pereira, who's going to be coming back from Brazil, he's got that creativity side in terms of, you know, trying to things. But then that defensive side, let, let's be honest, if you put him in the holding midfielder role, it's, it's laughable, let's be honest. And I think that's the case with a lot of players, you know, they have maybe little bits of potential or capability, shall we say, but then in that defensive role, in that traditional role that, you know, may not have lacked for so many years. I think, you know, even I think the last player, correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, but the last player that we had there that was truly recognisable was probably Michael Carrick, which is yeah, which sounds absolutely. crazy. Yeah. But but then, you know, he was probably a little bit more like Busquets, really, instead of uh, an indeed, as you say, you know, picking the passes and, and creating things out of nothing from a defensive perspective. So I would like and, and you know, we're using this indeed an example, but why not get him? You know, he'd be a brilliant side and he'd be someone let's hope that we won't get overcharged for, you know, Maguire-esque from Leicester. <laughs> but, you know, he's a player who has got the Premier League experience. He can play that role and, and he almost has this, this calmness about him that's required massively in that Man United side. Someone who can just sort of take the ball, won't get too sort of overshadowed by any occasion or playing at any grounds. He's got that experience behind him. So, you know, he'd also be a, probably a, a great addition as well. But, you know, I think the, the key here really is someone who almost takes pride in that defensive role in the ugly side of the game, if you like, not mm. to be too cliche, but, you know, someone who does enjoy that part, which will then allow the more creative players to do what they do best. Okay. No, I agree with you, bro. I agree because one thing, I'm, I cannot do another season without a new signing with DM. If not, I'm fully going to support Palace. No, I'm joking. I won't. <laughs> but as I said, that, Sorry, just oh. quickly before we move on, Tony, who, who, who exactly would you like? And for your perspective, what kind of holding midfielder? Because I think we can both agree, really, may not need a holding midfielder. 100%. I feel like may not need a holding midfielder. And I feel like the way in which Ten Hag, or I aspire Ten Hag to play, I'm not sure if we need that destroyer time I feel like we need someone like a Carrick in a sense I could pick the ball up from the centre backs and dictate play from there because I feel like Frankie is very press resistant and he's very good in transition as well so if we have a double pivot of let's say Frankie and uh, I don't want to say Sangare <laughs> Sangare is more of like a destroyer but yeah let's say a, someone like a Sandro Tonali I know he's at Ace Milan and I highly doubt we'll yeah. ever sign Sandro Tonali, but that type of DM is the one I'm looking for. Someone that is very good in possession, that is, or even a Ruben Neves. I've been screaming Ruben Neves when because he, he was a DM before Bruno Large started playing him as an eight. So I, I've been screaming Ruben Neves when he was captain in Porto at the age of 18. And I thought this was a brilliant sign. And he was one of my first signings of football manager for Man United, replacing Carrick, considering how many football managers that was ago. So someone like that, that can is very comfortable in the ball, that can pick up the ball from the centre-backs and help dictate play because I need them to sit in front of the back four. I don't need two box-to-boxes. I feel like Frank, Frankie can low-key do that box-to-box role in a sense. And this guy averages like 90% passing accuracy without even passing sideways. You know what I mean? So we're good in that sense transition-wise, but I really feel like we need someone like a Sandra Tonali. I doubt Sandra Tonali will go on. I'll, I'll probably go on Scout Nation and find myself like a, a proper DM later on to... To, to link us with but the fact that I haven't seen us linked with a DM is is the worrying thing like preseason starts tomorrow is it going to be McTominay and Frankie like who knows I, I hope not but we'll see I think it's uh, when you put it like that 
it's, it's worrying, you know, because initially I, I was thinking to myself, despite what we've seen on, on Twitter from the Man United fans, and I'm sure you'll have seen it as well throughout your timeline, you know, there's a lot of worry amongst Man United fans. And I can completely understand that as a scene of Ronaldo being the last signing. We've we've been starved of excitement because on the pitch, really, let's be honest, that speaks for itself in terms of the disappointment from a, a Man United perspective. But I just think patience is required here. You know, there's still months left and uh, you, you make a great point. Pre-season starts tomorrow. But then I think this leads on to something... That's really going under the radar here, Tony, because the, the Man United team at the moment, I think it's been forgotten that the quality that they have. And I know this sounds crazy because of obviously what we've seen over the last 18 months or two years. It goes without saying, and you know it yourself, I've been firmly someone who hasn't hesitated to criticise the, the state of play at Man United. But, you know, I think because of how bad it's been, we're forgetting the quality that we have. And I think the the biggest thing, or at least one of the biggest things that I was excited about with Ten Hag's appointment was he's got a knack and a proven record of improving players. You know, we've seen it with, with several instance and examples at Ajax, he's brought in players who realistically wouldn't have got the time of day, never mind at Man United, probably in the Premier League. And he's brought them on into players who can, kick it around with the big boys in the Champions League. So I think, you know, the, the likes of Rashford, the likes of Alanga, you know, even Sancho, I know it's still very early on for him, but we don't know how capable Ten Hag really is of improving these players. And I, I think it will go without saying most of them will improve, but how much we never know. And, and hopefully we can have some some diamonds in the dirt, shall we say, and, and they could potentially be new signings. You know, with, with Van der Beek coming back in, a, a, mid, a midfield of Van der Beek and, and De Jong with Ten Hag at the helm, you know, we've seen in the past what that can do. So let's hope that some of the players that are still at the club now, they can improve and, and you know, start pulling their weight for once. Well, that goes on to my next point. As pre-season starts tomorrow and the players are coming back from holiday, who are you excited for most? to come back and work on the Ten Hag. Well, yeah, I think, you know, I, t- from a personal perspective, I just want to see Van der Beek. You know, I think we can all agree he was never given his chance. I'm sorry, but there's this constant perception of football that if you're not getting your chance, you take it when you're given it. I agree with that. But then, to be honest with you, five minutes at the end of a game, come on, especially when you're losing a game as well. This isn't a, an environment where he's been brought on, right, you know, we're comfortably winning this game. Go on, enjoy your football and show the fans what you can do. It's never been that with Van der Beek. It's always been a case of he's starting the games that don't, don't really matter or he's been brought on five minutes to go in a game that we're losing. Go on, win us the game. I don't care how good of a player you are. That is so unfair to a player, especially when he's just trying to make a name for himself. Look at the treatment that he's had. You know, we've seen players from various clubs, even within Man United, who've thrown their toys out of the pram for being benched for one game or being taken off 20 minutes too early. This guy has been treated let's be honest, awfully at Man United. He hasn't been given a fair shot. And and I can, you know, be talking to you in a few months' time or a year's down the line and it hasn't worked out. But we're never going to be able to get the bottom of this if he doesn't get his chance. And I can almost guarantee under Ten Hag, he will give, you know, Van der Beek his chance. And I hope that he does, you know, get a good, consistent run of games in the team. Let's see what he can do. And to be honest, I don't think there's anyone in the world that Van der Beek would want to be playing under than Ten Hag, really. You know, this is a guy that he's trusted, who's brought him on like he did with um, Frankie de Jong. So, yeah, I think he's one of the ones I'm really excited for. Sancho as well, you know, he did have, you know, almost fleeting moments, if you like, during that season, which was a forgettable one, to say the least. 
he can be someone we know who we've seen can kick it, as I say, with the big boys. He can play and have massive effects. And he has that traditional Man United sort of blood in him, if you like. He mm. wants to just get the ball. He doesn't want to look back. If he can't pass sideways, forget it. I'll drive with the ball and I'll see what I can do myself. That's that's just refreshing. I think that's the type of football we need back at Man United. Um, but yeah, I think these are the players. And, and I think one big, big player really under the Ten Hag era, which... I don't think people realise how big is, is is Marcus Rashford. We've seen, you know, the decline in him. And a lot of people, including myself, wanted to give him the chance, not just because of what he was doing off the pitch, which I think speaks for itself. We don't really need to get into that. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. But on the pitch, you know, when he burst onto the scene, he was incredible. He was raw. He just wanted to make an impression and he loved playing for Man United. But then recently, it almost seems like he's not just Man United, but with football, he's fell out of love with the game. And I think, you know, Ten Hag's strong point, as I said, or at least one of his big strong points is improving players, you know, getting the best out of the youth. Let's hope that Rashford is a, is a prime example, really, of, of someone who we can bring in to the... You, you OK there? <laughs> yeah, muted the mic. Good man. <laughs> He's used to this, Tony. But no, you know, jokes aside, I think Rashford, this could be so significant, not only for Man United, but for Ten Hag's era. If he can get a tune out of Rashford again, wow. I mean, mm. considering where he was in the last six, seven months, I remember going uh, to Man United Leicester, I think it was. I think it was 1-1. Um, at the, the, the back end of last season, I was covering it for Talk Sport, and you know Rashford was brought on. This was at a time where people were questioning why is Rashford on the bench. He was brought on, and I think off the top of my head, he had over thirty-five minutes on. So it was a nice and early substitution. For the life of me, I did not realise he was on the pitch. Yeah, it was just yeah. non-existent, and I genuinely, when he got the ball, I, I seen him with the ball, and I was shocked. I thought. Oh my goodness, we've we've brought Rashford on. And that can't happen, you know. That that is just disgraceful, to be honest with you. So hopefully Ten Hag can make this a bit of a project for himself personally. And um, if he gets a tune out of Rashford, wow, I think this would be hopefully anyway, signs signs of, of progress and good things to come from Ten Hag and, and hopefully Rashford as well. Also, another player who still hasn't seen off the books yet is Anthony Martial. I know yeah. with the striker market, you, you totally forget that he's still a Man United player and, and he's reporting for duty tomorrow. With the striker market not being the greatest and us not trusting Man United strategy, do you feel like there's a place for Anthony Martial under Ten Hag? Well, this is a this is probably more of one of my many unpopular opinions, but I, I think there's a player under Martial. I know it sounds crazy because realistically, over the last year, what evidence have I got? But if we're talking finishing, if we're talking sharpness at the club, you know, from the players available, there's not many that are sharper than him. When when he's on his form, he can finish out of nothing. There's a player in him. Pardon. On his day, yeah, yeah. On his, on his day, day. Classic, on his day. <laughs> classic line, really, of Manchester United. On his day, he's good, trust me. But, you know, um, with, with Ten Hag coming in, and I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on because of Ten Hag coming in, but this is the reason why I was so excited. And we've spoke about this many a time before, Tony. You know, for me, I think he's the most exciting manager in Europe. And before the Klopp fans or any Pep Guardiola fans jump on my throat and say, what about these? These managers aren't exciting because there's no sort of room for potential. There's no, you know, unknown element. You know what you're getting with them. They're world-class proven managers who are going to be going for it next year on all fronts. Whereas Ten Hag, it almost feels as if this guy is the one who's next up. This guy is yeah. the one who, who people are looking across, across Europe and thinking... What has he got? And we both know he could come in and not quite do the job. But boy, is there a big chance that he could. He's got all of the capabilities. And, and with a player like Martial coming in, you know, and it reverts back to what I was saying. 
we're underestimating the qualities of this squad. I think all of the confidence was shot once Solskjaer was sacked. You know, even before that, I think months before that, really, you could tell the players were just sort of waiting for it to happen. With Ten Hag coming in, I mean, I mean sorry, Ranjek coming in, it was almost like a, a supply teacher coming in to control the class. You know, you're going to say yes, sir, and then turn around and talk to your mates again and you're not bothered about actually trying to learn anything. And I think that was the position Ranjek was in, whereas Ten Hag... He's the teacher. He's the number one guy now. And I think he's got that. And with Martial, it would go out on a limb to say that he's going to be the player that we've seen at the start of his career. But again, we just don't know the potential when playing under a manager who can get motivated. I think the key with Martial is he needs someone to get into his head. He needs to get someone who's going, right, we know what you can do. Show us what you can do. And I don't really think he's had that. Uh, since his time at Man United, you know, he didn't really get on with with Mourinho. Solskjaer, as I say, was just sort of not someone who's going to improve players. Just go and hope for the best. And Ranjek is is Ranjek. You know, he didn't really have enough time, and when he did, he didn't do anything great. So, I think with Ten Hag, Martial could be another player. And I think we're forgetting how young he is. He's not someone who's thirty five. You know, he, he's still got a good few years of, of providing something. So, certainly, I think I don't know what you think about Martial really, but potentially he could probably have a job at Man United considering the lack of options we have of of someone who wants to play, you know, that number nine role. Because he did make it clear, didn't he, that he would like to play that role eventually. Yeah. Um, it's a sticky one with Anthony Martial, in all honesty, because I was a Martial stand. I was screaming out here screaming it's 9am when he got the number nine shirt. But I remember my dad is obviously a Man United fan, Manchester born and bred, the reason I'm a, I'm a fan. And... He went to me, Tone, I've been watching United for your board. And, and listen, I work in football. I think I know more football than my dad. But <laughs> he went to me, Tone, I've been watching United for your board and I just don't think this guy's good enough to be a Man United number nine. And it it was during that season. So he just went off that season where he was our top goal scorer, I think the lockdown one. And yeah, yeah. he had a slow start to last season. I was thinking, he's kind of right. If Martial stays... And he improves undertaking hard, so be it. I'm not going to cry and pull my and pull my arms out. But if a offer comes down the line, I would happily take the offer right now, just because I know the striker market. Is sorry, great. sorry to interrupt, but what kind of offer are we talking about here? Would you, 20, would you sort of 20, 25 mil? Yeah. Anything on them lines? I'll, I'll take it because we've got to remember, like as as good as he is. And listen, I've I've seen Anthony Martial. If you know, if you listen to the Zone podcast, he's that clip of him in the goal versus Liverpool. That's the first clip. Like, I, I was a Martial guy, but he's well, he's twenty five now, going to be twenty six in December, I think, and he still hasn't scored a hundred career goals, which is quite worrying. He hasn't scored a hundred career goals. He's close. He's close. I think him and Rashford are on the nineties, but they both haven't scored a hundred career goals. So for me, coming into year twenty five, twenty six, you've got you guys have been in the Premier League since I was in first year university and I finished university I finished my masters a good couple years ago so it's been a long time that for you to not score 100 goals so and I feel like last season was a make or break season and to Sevilla alone as well we gave him a chance to go alone and you know go find your love back in football and it didn't work out I think he scored one goal for them and he was still playing on the wing a lot for Sevilla so I'm not sure if that's just down to the manager's preference I feel like we should have told it we should have ask the club to play him in his natural positions, get him back. But listen, if Ten Hag sees something in him, I will trust my manager. But if the offer's there, I, I think I'll take it because there's nothing... I, I don't want to, to get rid of him for free. I don't want him to have a decent season and then we're thinking, oh, do we need to sign? Because he's on 250k or supposedly, reportedly 250k. If 
if we keep him, it's going to have to be more than that. And right now, I'm sorry, his wage doesn't reflect the impact he has on the team. So, but the only thing, only reason why I'll keep him, as I said, the striker market isn't great at the moment. It's really not great at the moment. So there's no really out and out number nines at, out there. So whether we keep him or not, listen, he's he's back for preseason tomorrow. We'll see. I'll be watching preseason. I'll watch up and at three and watching them games in Melbourne. See if the, see if he's got anything. But that's we'll see. I I just don't know with Marcia. I know some people still have faith in him. I've lost the faith, but I would happily have him prove me wrong. And yeah. I said I would happily have him prove because I did love him as a player. But right now I've got no evidence to go off. But um, also speaking of preseason, are there any youngsters you're looking forward to? I know personally, um, Facundo Palestri. I think he had a really good preseason last season. I remember he scored a really nice goal. I think it against Blackburn or Wigan. I feel like it was one of them Lancashire teams. But um, he just done the keeper of a little shimmy. And he's been impressing. He's been impressive for Uruguay. He's playing in the Uruguay national team. I remember he got an assist for Cavani and I was like, oh, what could have been at Man United, you know? So um, I'm adding Palestria to uh, wing, uh, to youngsters I'm looking forward to to work on the Ten Hag. And is there anyone you're looking, any of the youngsters you're looking forward to, like James Garner, Ganacho, yeah. Ethan Baird, if he comes back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, all of them names there really are, are players certainly that excite me because, you know, I think these are these are the types of players, and I know I keep reverting back to Ten Hag and his strengths, and you know, I think I'm sure all of this will be clipped up and I'll be laughed at if it doesn't work. <laughs> but um, you know, I think the the youth is is the most exciting thing really for me under Ten Hag because, you know, he has that, and and I think what is really key in this discussion is obviously you know the the massive success that they had in the Champions League, you know, considering that were obviously a, a lesser team, if you like, compared to what they were up against. You know, he he had all the players, De Litt, De Jong, um, Van Der Beek. He had all of these players who were brilliant. And then eventually they all left. And he could have easily gone, used the money to to sign like-for-like like players in terms of, you know, names or, or status across Europe. But he didn't. He wanted to go for youth and he wanted to try, you know, the younger players out and, and give them a chance. And that's all you can ask for, really. But in terms of specific names, I think Gardner's had an incredible loan season, hasn't he? He, he has been so strong and he's got a lot of plaudits and, you know, it would be good to see him. But then potentially he's probably in that category of maybe one more loan season will probably benefit him quite well. Um, just to see where, how he gets on at obviously a bigger stage and, you know, it will give him sort of less pressure, if you like. I don't think he'll be going into a new season with huge pressure unless, obviously, he's at Man United starting every week. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he's certainly one to watch. I think Ethan Laird as well, you know, he he's certainly a player who I've, I've kept an eye on, obviously, throughout the last season or so. And, you know, potentially this could be someone who has a job at Man United. You know, he's, he's, he's had the experience. You know, he, he's a direct player. He's someone who wants to get the ball and drive forward from from obviously defensive positions. So again, it's someone who you look at and you think could there be possibilities? And it, I think it all comes down to and it's quite difficult really to sort of pinpoint players who you're excited about because we don't necessarily know where Ten Hag will turn to in terms of positions to to sort of rely on the youth. Um, so yeah, I think it will be certainly exciting. And I think one, although I'm not sure if you'll class him because he obviously had a bit of first team experience but Anthony Alanga you know out of anything if for me anyway I think Ronaldo I don't think we need to speak about him because he did for me his job perfectly fine but I think 
one of the only shining lights throughout the end of the season was Anthony Alanga. You know, I think that's something that Ranjit can look back at with a bit of pride, if anything, um, because he was the one who given him his chance. He said, you know, this boy can play. Let's see what he can do. And, you know, that goal against Atletico Madrid, I, I know it doesn't mean much, but f- f- from an individual perspective, what a moment that would have been at such a young age to score at one, one of, you know, the toughest clubs in the world, really, to play against at their ground. So I think he could certainly be someone who, who we can keep an eye on. But yeah, I think... The youth will be something certainly to keep an eye on it as a whole, really, because as I say, Ten Hag does like to promote the youth, get them ready younger. So obviously when they do hit the the latter stages of their youth, shall we say, you know, they're ready. They're ready to take the jump. So, yeah, I think there's certainly a few to be kept an eye on, shall we say. And also I want to speak about, let's say we start getting signings and new seasons. Let's say, hopefully, Frankie's done. And we get Frankie. Who else are you looking for? I know we're linked with Anthony from Ajax a lot. Yeah. But um, I'm particularly not a fan. I'll get into that after. But who else are you looking for? What positions do you feel like we need other than Frankie Dion? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the summer transfer window started off unofficially, really. This was before I think it was even open, you know, the Darwin Nunes stuff. I was told, you know, by reliable sources that it was incredibly close to being done. And I wrote in the tweet when I when I sort of broke it on Twitter that unless he has a change of heart, you know, this is going to happen. I was confident and from a personal perspective, I would have loved him at Man United. He just has this aura about him where I think he could have done so well under Ten Hag. But, you know, when, when Liverpool came knocking, it was pretty straightforward from their perspective you know they came in they're showing the interest they you know more or less offered the money that his team wanted for for the sale and obviously the Champions League football you you can't you can't hate on him for for wanting to take that you know they're in a very very different position to Man United are he will go into that team seamlessly and he will obviously learn from one of the best managers out there whereas Man United are in a massive transition period so it was a little bit disappointing from a personal perspective you know I think he's someone who isn't necessarily an out and out striker he's he's not a player who can just play down the middle and that's the only thing he can do he likes to cut in he likes to you know maybe make some impact from wide areas at times in the game so yeah I think I was a little bit disappointed but then you know we move on to bigger and better things you know De Jong is someone who Ten Hag has made it clear from the start this was a priority for him even more so than than Nunes this was the one guy he wanted so if we get him that would be amazing Anthony I think this is one of the rare times Tony that we probably disagree because I think this is a player that could really fit into the Man United side I know you'll obviously go on now to sort of tell us your reservations about him but you know, this is a player who, again, has worked into Ten Hag. He knows what it's like. He knows what he's going into. And um, one of the things that really sits with me uh, was when Ten Hag left Ajax, um, Ansi went to social media and he said, basically, yeah. thank you for everything. And if you ever need me, I'm here. And I just think when you've got an attitude like that, you don't really have an idea. Well, we don't anyway of, of what conversations have gone on between Ten Hag and Anthony in terms of bringing him to Old Trafford but for me that shows you know he will run through a brick wall for Ten Hag and that's what you need and I think one that's 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 really obviously got a lot of talking points over the last few days because of obviously the the progression in terms of the deal is Christian Eriksen uh, and I know obviously you were you were talking on air about this a little bit earlier on and maybe today I think it might have been or yesterday um and you were basically saying that you had the reservations and this isn't really someone Man United need. But then I think considering obviously the players that have all left Man United in the last couple of weeks was obviously Lingard, Matic, Mata, Pogba, all of them midfielders. So there is obviously room for a midfielder in there. But I think 
this is an interesting one because I think this again highlights that football is all op optics, to be honest. If this was a signing that we had right at the end of this, let's say deadline day, let's say we got in De Young, Anthony, let's say we got in all the players that May United really wanted, and then we signed Ericsson, I think people would go, what a bonus that is. Premier League yeah. proven, you know, why not get him in? But because obviously, as we know, Man United haven't signed anyone yet, it's like we've waited since Ronaldo for this. And I can understand that perspective, but I think Ericsson can can do a job there, really. Um, in terms of players, it's defensively, I think Pau Torres is someone that we've been linked with. I think this is a player who's shown, obviously, in the Champions League last season that he, he seems like he's cool, calm, collected. He's mobile as well at the back. So I think, again, that's someone that we probably should be looking at. And I think a defender, we do need a defender. Um, I think, although Harry Maguire, you know, it's a new manager, everyone starts on a clean slate. I think potentially the race has been run with him. It, it pains me to say it because, you know, he's an Englishman. He's, he's someone that everyone wanted to do well. But unfortunately, let's put it this way, it hasn't worked out well. And I think, you know, there's been too many times where he's made poor, poor errors. And it almost feels like when you're watching, it's like a highlight reel of all of his poor moments. And I'm talking about watching live games here. So I, <laughs> I think, you know, we, we, we do certainly need reinforcements at the back. But, you know, from, from a fan perspective, I know obviously we both work in football. We've both got to think of it from a professional perspective, of course. But, you know, we're fans at the end of the day. We were fans long before we were working in football and probably long after we're working in football. We're, we're Man United fans. And I think certainly an attacking player to get the fans off their feet, to get them excited about something again and really give them something to, to sing and dance about. Because, as we've said, it hasn't been the football on the pitch and it hasn't been the signings either. Mm. No, I, to I totally agree with you is that, yes, we do need an attacking signing. My reservations with both Anthony and Eriksson start from this. I feel like Anthony's a good player. Uh, last season, he got 12 goals and assists in the Eredivisie, which is kind of scary. Considering it's the Eredivisie and I've seen a teenage Mason Mount get 18. But I digress. It's not all about goals and assists. I feel like he has the flair. He ha he's a good player. He has a bit of the... He can beat a player, but I don't consider him a one-on-one -on -one type of winger. Do you know Luis Diaz wingers, them direct wingers that yeah, are just one yeah. on one, right? the ball and, ball. and that's not more Anthony. I feel like Anthony is he can he can dribble past, he can dribble, drive in. But I feel like he's that he's kind of like Sancho. Mm. He kind of plays the way Sancho plays on the left, and I don't need the same somatic type or I don't know if it's somatic type that's the wrong word, but I don't need the same type of winger on both sides. If that makes sense, so I feel like with Sancho and Anthony. There's not, there's not that threat of pacing behind. Sancho's fast, but we barely see Sancho running behind. I feel like the only time I saw him running behind was top, uh, the assist he gave for Ronaldo in Tottenham, the second goal, where he yeah, ran in behind yeah. and squared it for Ronaldo. Yeah. That's probably one of the only times. Sancho likes to receive the ball to feet, play one two, and that's kind of like Anthony too. So I feel like if we have that type of winger on the left with Sancho, I need to see a, I need to see a left-footed winger that's going to cut in, shoot on his left, run in behind, give me something different because we've got kind of what Anthony has with Sancho. If we sign Anthony, listen, he's a great player. I've been reading this book, which I've got here, called Glorious Intervention, about Ajax. And I read the... Ten, oh, I didn't read it about Ajax, I just read the Ten Hag section because I really wanted to... Um, as you can tell, I, I was excited about Ten Hag. I really wanted to see what he's like. And one of the things um, in the book they said about Ten Hag is that He's very meticulous in the sense that he wants to know the man behind the player. He wants to watch what you do when you lose the ball. He wants to see your mannerism. He wants to see how you react. And that's kind of the player he is. So the fact that, as you said, 
Anthony would run a brick wall for him and what he said in that Ajax farewell message kind of shows the man that he is and that in which he will run a brick, he will run through a brick wall for Ten Hag, which is what we want at the club, right? We want, as fans, I feel like as fans, we would die to be in that position. So we want them to give them 100% because that's just what we do. We give our hard-earned money to watch them. If we sign Anthony, yes, I'm seeing links with um, and reports saying 80 million, which I'm not trying to hear. I don't think we'll even do that ourselves, to be fair. The fact that we're doing 80 with add-ons with Frankie. So I doubt we'll do that. I feel like Ajax are really trying to overvalue these players now because they don't want us to raid their whole squad. But um, 40, 50 is the max I'll give for Anthony, really and truly. If we sign him, I'll be excited and I'll support him all the way. But I feel like I need a different type of winger because I feel like there's too many similarities with Sancho and I don't, and I need, in the Premier League, I need to see people running behind. Rashford, if he just learned, well, I hope Ten Hag just teaches him how to run in behind because that's his bag. He will cook easily if he keeps on doing that. So I feel like if we get that on the both sides of the of the wing, I think we'll be sorted. And I really want to see Ahmad and Palestri. I feel like both their loans, Palestri has been loaned twice now to Alaves and he's barely played. And that's just, we've been, we haven't been doing really good with our loanies. Like I feel like the only person that had a really good loan was Dean Henderson at Sheffield United and James Garner at Nottingham Forest. Those are the only good loans I can remember. And he's not getting a lot of game time at a team like Alaves, but when he's playing for Uruguay, he looks very good. He, he gets to the by What I like about Palestri, he gets to the byline a lot as well, which is something we don't do. And I feel like it's something we are going to try and do, score cutbacks and get to the byline, kind of like how City do. But I feel like that's what good teams do because it's probably one of the easiest ways to score, right? So I really yeah. want to give Palestri and Ahmad a go in pre-season and I'm not saying we shouldn't sign a winger but I really want to give those two because that's that's depth youngster wise and yeah. Ten Hag likes to use his youth so and I, and I feel like I feel kind of I feel like Ahmad is kind of ready I know he's not physically there but I've not seen this guy have a bad game in a Man United shirt yet bear in mind he's probably had less than 10 games well we saw him score against we saw him scoring a header against AC yeah. I saw him in the uh, season not last season but the season before we played Wolves away in which we won two one, Alanga scored. Yeah, yeah. I put, put in a wicked ball for uh, Dan James, in which Dan James done what Dan James does. And I was thinking, this guy is just a technically good football, technically good footballer. And I watched the Scottish Cup final because he didn't start in the Europa League final because he wasn't yeah. trying for games for Rangers. But I watched he started in the Scottish Cup final, and I saw him on the wing, and I, I saw him put in one ball in behind for I don't know who the Rangers player Rangers player was, but. I, Dare I say it, and I'm not saying he's like Messi, I'm not saying he's going to be anywhere in the stratosphere of Messi, but the ball was Messi-esque. You don't really see wingers playing a Pogba-type ball like that. And I was thinking, oh, I didn't know you had that in your locker. So I really want to see him cook under Ten Hag. I feel like there's a player in there, there's a really good player in there. and He hasn't had a bad game for Man United. I remember in the Premier League, we lost to Leicester at home. Again, not last season, but the season before. We lost to Leicester at home. Uh, he put in a ball for Dow who should not be named, but you know what I'm talking about. He put in a wicked ball for an assist, and I was thinking, this is a good player. Like he's he's got a winger with a good IQ. So I really want to see him cook under Ten Hag. In regards to Christian Eriksen, I'm so sorry. If we were going to sign Christian Eriksen, we should have done this years ago, right? As I said, and I, I was telling this, I mean, spoke about it today. Christian Eric does Christian Eriksen improve Man United's midfield? Yes. Is improving Man United's midfield hard? No. So, 
the fact that we're improving our midfield, yes, I'm, I enjoy it. It's great. But we don't need Christian Eriksen. He can kind of play the same. I feel like he's a really good baller. I feel like he should stay at Brentford. He showed good... He, showed, he had a really good game at Stamford Bridge. So I know he can still do it at a level. But this is Man United we're talking about. We know Man United that we're probably going to make... Dare I say it, we'll probably make five signings. That's including Frankie, right? And that will be a good window for us. Five signings regardless. That's two midfielders in that signing. The two midfielders we can sign cannot be Ericsson and Frankie. It cannot. It can't. I need it because it's gonna we're gonna it's gonna make Frankie look bad. It's gonna put Frankie in that Pogba situation in which we we want this guy to do a, a specific job, but he can't do it because we don't have a DM. So he's gonna have to do the DM's job and the job he was supposed to do in the first place. I we need if we're gonna build around. Frankie, then we need to do it properly. And Ericsson is not the midfielder to build around Frankie. Um, we're not going to see a double pivot of Frankie De Jong and Christian Ericsson, are we? Let's be honest. We've still got Fernandez and Van der Beek, who I kind of want to see more in an attacking role. So I feel like Van der Beek's best attributes are in and around the box. He can get a goal. We saw he scored, he scored in his debut at Palace. He scored a way to Wolves, I want to say. Did we, no, we beat Wolves. I think that was a 1-0. Yeah, yeah, we beat Wolves 1-0 with Dash not be named. I'm trying to think. There was <laughs> Rich Ronaldo headed the ball when he got a goal in and he played a re- he he came on in the second half. We were losing. Watford. I think yeah, it was Yeah, yeah. When he headed it across, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was the Watford game. He came on and he looked really well and he had more of an attacking role there. So I feel like the role that we want to put Christian Eriksen in, I feel like a Van der Beek Ten Hag can do that. As you said, if we sign Christian Eriksen on the last day of the season and we've got that DM, I'll say screw it, why not? We got rid of four midfielders. Let's just add let's just add ballers to the team. I wouldn't mind that. But right now I've seen no links with a DM. There is no point of getting Christian Eriksen where we haven't fixed our massive gaping hole with DM in which we haven't Carrick retired what, twenty sixteen, I wanna say? That's if how that, many, yeah. if that twenty sixteen. We're six years later and we still haven't replaced him. And then we want to go sign another number 10 or another creative midfielder, Christian Eriksen. Yes, he's a good player, but he's not the player we need right now. It's really not. We need to. We need a DM desperately. And the fact that we're not linked to a DM just makes me sick. It honestly just makes me sick because I cannot do another season of McFred. I really can't. Or McFrankie or whatever it's going to be. No Muck anything. Oh, no Muck anything, bro. No Muck anything. I need to see Frankie next to a competent midfielder with either Fernandez or Van der Beek in that midfield. And then we can sort out things later. But that's honestly, that's, I can't do it, bro. I really can't do it. So no, that's I the reason. I don't, yeah, that's yeah I don't, honestly, it's, um, Again, you know, I can't stress enough, you know, there's 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 a lot of time left in the transfer window. You know, there's plenty of times and you don't get any award or special gift for signing players before anyone else. As long as we've got them players in and as long as Ten Hag has some time to work with them, let's see what he can do. I think, you know, we're, we're all understanding here and we can all realise that this isn't going to be an easy job for anyone. But I, I just I just feel the strong points with Ten Hag is to get the players that he wants, gets the players that he knows the mindset. And as you said, you know, from, from the, the book that you've read on, on that touches on Ten Hag, you know, he wants players with mentality, a certain type of thought process when they're playing on the pitch. And, you know, I, I think if, you know, we, although we've had so many frustrations over the years, and I completely understand what you're getting, you know, I, I couldn't reiterate and echo what you've said enough, but... You know, we just have to trust him. And if this is someone who he looks at and thinks that he can do any sort of job for Man United in terms of Ericsson or, or, or even Anthony, we have to trust him, especially this is his first season. This is someone who 
dare I say it, this is probably going to be make or break for Man United. You know, I, I, I feel, and I've said this to you before, if this doesn't one, if this one doesn't work in, in terms of managers, I really don't know where Man United go. They've tried someone who's been proven in terms of Van Gaal. They've tried someone who's not exactly a world round, world renowned name, but with Premier League experience, longevity, and, and David Moyes. We've tried the big superstar name, someone who's almost like a like a cult figure, if you like, in Mourinho. Let's not even talk about Solskjaer. We've tried uh, Ranjek, who obviously was meant to be this football philosopher who's transcended the game and, you know, given birth to all the minds that we've seen across Europe. But then now we've never really had this type of manager, a manager who's up and coming, who seems like he's the next one up. He mm. seems like this one. And and I know I'll probably get a little bit of stick for it. But, and maybe I'm being a bit biased, but I don't really care. I think if Ten Hag wasn't the Man United manager, I'd probably think and I'd probably, if I was a betting man, put money on him being the Man City manager after Pep Guardiola. Yeah, he was actually linked with Man City. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I, th- I think this was a this was a type of manager who who people are starting to realise now. There's something about him, how big or how successful that he can go on to be. We don't actually know, but that's the beauty of football. You know, we, we haven't had anything to celebrate over the years. It hasn't been transfers. It hasn't been the trophies. Clearly, it's been it's been drier than anything you could think of. But the one thing we have as not just Man United fans, but as football fans, we have hope. And if we don't have hope, then then what are we really doing following a sport? And I think with Ten Hag, he brings bundles of hope and let's hope that he can turn his hope into success. Oh, let's, as I said, let's hope, bro, because that's the only thing... We've got, want to yeah. That's the only thing we've got right now, bro. And I tell you, yeah. the only thing that is keeping me loving this club. But anyway, bro, we're going to wrap up there. Normally, I let um, on any podcast I do, I let my guests shout anything they've got going on. So the floor is yours, bro. Yep, thank you very much. Well, yeah, just a just a quick one, really. I do my own sports podcast where I get guests on of all types of 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 people within the sporting industry. It's called the Content Podcast, and of course, drop me a follow, which is at Anil Candola on all platforms, and of course, drop a big follow, a like, comment, everything you need to do on the Zone and Scott London. Is that correct? The Zone London. There we thank go. You so much. Thank you for listening. As always, to me. thank you for having me, mate. It's a pleasure. Oh, and thank you so much. On, Let's hope that the next time we do one of these, which I'm sure we'll do in the near future, there's positive things to talk positive, about. It's not, it's positive, bro. Positive man. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I feel like I've read out all my all my thoughts on Man United and what I need to get. But um, You can enjoy the rest of your Sunday now, mate. I know, right? Thank you so much. Thank no you for listening to the first episode of the Carrington Podcast. You know, you can listen to this on Spotify and all other podcast providers. Until next time. Clap and lose your legs. I walk a 
round gun on my waist Chip on my shoulder, top bust a clip in your face Post to this beef ain't no Many men Many, 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 many men Wish death upon me, Lord I don't cry no more Don't look to the sky no more Have mercy on me Have mercy on my soul Somewhere my heart turned cold Have mercy on many men Many, 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 many men Wish death upon me Sunny days wouldn't be special If it wasn't for rain Joy wouldn't feel so good If it wasn't for pain Death gotta be easy, cause life is hard It'll leave you physically, mentally, and emotionally scarred This is for my niggas on the block, twisting trees to God